Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Bunker Boys. Uh, I am your host, well, your co-host, George. Uh, we have a new member of the team. Everybody, please welcome Slade Storm, the one and only, as my co-host. Um, hello, Slade. Hey, man. Glad <laughs> to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Glad to uh, get started with this new adventure. Um, first of the four new podcasts we're rolling out as part of Jack Wagon Sports. Um, and we picked a great time to start the Golf Centralized podcast um, with the Waste Management Phoenix Open uh, this past weekend. Uh, a absolutely great tournament. I love watching this one every year. Uh, it always falls right on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, just a really fun tournament to watch. Um, all the players seem to have fun in it, uh, in the crowd, as we're going to get to here in a little bit. Uh, absolutely loves it. Uh, so we're just going to dive right into the action. Uh, we're going to break down Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for you guys. Uh, we'll get started with Thursday here. Um, and a story that we, we followed all weekend uh, really started on Thursday. Uh, we had Sahith Thagala playing in the tournament. Uh, now, he was only in the tournament because of a sponsor's exemption. Um, but he made the most of it on Thursday, starting off hot. Uh, he made five birdies on the on his first nine holes. Uh, he made two more on the back nine. Uh, his round was cut short due to darkness. Um, but, uh, I mean, even with the darkness, uh, he had himself in the lead. Um, a huge story, and uh, we're going to talk about it more as we go through the days here. Um, but really cool to see uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a really great way to open the tournament with uh, kind of someone that no one would have really thought would have started out that hot, like you were saying. Um, Brooks Kapka was doing really good on Thursday. He uh, was really getting back into his form. He carded a 66 in round one. He stated that he played well, but he struggled with his driver most of the day, only hitting six fairways. He ended Thursday two back from the lead, but... He was pretty uh, confident with how he thought his weekend was going to go. Yeah, uh, as a, I'm a huge Brooks fan, um, and he's definitely struggled here lately. I mean, last year he was hurt, uh, especially most of the year. Um, but, you know, he was fired up coming into the tournament. You know, he kept talking about how in the world rankings he was dropped down to 20th. Uh, he thought that was embarrassing for him. So, um, you know, he was going to come up with a chip on his shoulder. And like I said, we're going to get to it more here, but um, I feel like overall he looked pretty decent. I mean, especially to be, you know, in the running for winning the, the tournament. Um, so hopefully this is just the start of things to come this year. Uh, another golfer we were watching on Thursday was Ricky Fowler. Um, he had an up and down Thursday. He was chipping the ball really well. Um, but on hole five, uh, he shanked his drive to the left. Of, uh, you can't even call it a bunker. It was just the desert. Um, but he was trying to clean some rocks away from it and he accidentally tapped his ball. Um, nobody in the, in the crowd noticed it. I mean, the cameras tried to zoom in on it and like see what had happened. Um, but he called it the rules official over and he notified them that he had tapped the ball. Um, he had said he got interviewed after the, it, the ball literally moved, maybe a dimple. Um, but the, the rules are the rules. Um, he was deducted a stroke. Uh, one that would be costly going forward. Um, but he did provide a great highlight uh, later on in the round on hole 12. Uh, he hit a 37, or excuse me, a 47-yard 
uh, chip to hold out for Eagle. Um, that was just amazing to watch. Um, so it's it's good to see him playing overall pretty well. Um, I know he struggled a lot here lately, uh, and we're going to talk about him more on the Friday uh, coverage. But um, I, I I really enjoyed seeing him playing well. Yeah, I mean it's really admirable of him to uh, kind of assess the situation like he did, like you said that basically no one but him saw the ball move, and he still was you know by the rules telling him that he called over the official to get things straightened out. Yeah. Um, yeah, just another characteristic that you know adds to his mystique of like the reasons why a lot of people really like him and really respect him. Oh, yeah, it definitely seems like a really likable person. Yeah, absolutely. It seemed like on Thursday, the entire field was really struggling with the greens. They uh, they seemed to all kind of embrace the challenge, saying that they they really enjoyed the extra element that it added to the tournament. Kind of really having to dig deep into their into their skill bags, and, you know, trying to really catch up when it came to uh, bad shots with the drives and the irons and then having to deal with the rough putts. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely tough going putting on uh, on Thursday. Um, that changed drastically over the weekend with the, with the speeds. On Thursday, everything was just really slow. They had them really watered down. Um, but it was, I mean, they interviewed a lot of the, the players afterwards and, you know, not that this course is an easy course, but um, a lot of the times, and it was ideal conditions, you know, there was low wind, um, perfect temperatures, um, so they really didn't have any challenges on the course other than these greens, so yeah, it was, a lot of the players enjoyed it, um, because, you know, it, it was something to, to challenge them, and, you know, to, to show that, they give the crowd something to really pay attention to. Um, moving on to Friday, uh, Friday was a big day. Um, Patrick Cantlay had himself a day. Um, he played early, um, shot a bogey free 66 to put himself right in, right in the, the middle of uh, contention going into the weekend. Um, I did get to catch the end of his round when I got off of work. Um, really looks like he's in, you know, peak form right now. Uh, he's going to be really interesting to watch, not just, you know, this weekend, but you know, going forward into the summer months. Um, I expect him to pick up a few big uh, tournament wins here. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, really, really great to watch. They also had uh, Figala. He had a rough, rough start to his morning there. He had to finish the round that was stopped due to darkness on Thursday. He uh, had a bogey on his last two holes. He did though recover really nicely, shooting a sixty-four for his uh, actual Friday round. He ended up taking a two-stroke lead into the weekend. Still really, really crazy to think that he wasn't even going to be at the tournament had it not been for the sponsor exception. Yeah, they were talking about it uh, a lot on Friday, about how you know he's in on this exemption. And he had said that if it wasn't for that, he wouldn't have been playing this weekend because you know, he, normally he doesn't play more than four weekends in a row, and then he takes a week off. So this was supposed to be his rest week. Um but you know he he got the sponsor exemption. He's like, yeah, let's let's just go make the most of it. Um, so yeah, so to see him, it's, yeah, especially somebody like he's like he said, you know, he needed the rest, but he's out there and he was he was playing really really well. Um, you know, Kepka on Friday um, had a hard time again with putting. Uh, he was leaving a few key putts short. Um, Friday is really when you really started to notice a change in the greens. 
Um, some grains were still a little slow, but other ones were, were picking up some speed. Um, and so Kepka just had a hard time adjusting to which ones were going to be slow, which ones were going to be a little quicker. Um, but he thought, um, he felt pretty confident in, in his game. Again, uh, going into the weekend, uh, he was, you know, only, I believe, two shots back going into Saturday, um, tied for second. So he, he was, he knew he was in position. He was excited. Um, he plays really well this course just about every year. He's won there twice. Um, he was trying to make it two years in a row now. Um, but yeah, he, he felt confident on Friday. Uh, and we'll talk about it more about what happened over the weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, how, how can you not be confident? Uh, he got his hair dyed blonde <laughs> leading up to this slim shady. Uh, talking uh, next, Xander Shoffley, he, he had a great Friday. He, he carted a, uh, Bogey three sixty five. He ended up tying Kepka. He he really is just kind of like a consistent guy, you know. He you don't really he's not like one of like the big star powers like Justin Thomas or like you said Brooks Kepka, but uh, he really just consistently cards all around. Yeah, um, I he's another one I really enjoy watching him. Uh, he won the Olympics last year, but other than that, he hasn't won on the tour since twenty nineteen. But he is always, you know, right there at the end. I believe it was the um, the open last year, he might've finished second. Um, yeah, but I mean, he, he is always right there in contention. Um, just seems to have a few bad breaks, um, coming down to the end, but he's, he's definitely a, a, a consistent, good golfer. Um, and he's really a lot of fun to watch. Uh, as, as I mentioned, um, the greens for the most part were still, uh, pretty slow. Uh, but you know, here and there, they were starting to pick up, um, and, you know, you knew going into the next two days of the tournament, um, or, or excuse me, of the tournament, that, you know, the greens were going to be pretty firm and pretty fast. Um, so you, you had to change up your, your thinking and your strategy going into the weekend. Um, and it proved to be a key point going into the Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, it, it really was. Um, Friday, you know, it was cut, it's cut day, so there's a lot of guys – some just trying to make it in, some trying to take, you know, those risky shots to, to definitely try and get themselves in if they're kind of flirting with the line or on the outside of the line. Some of the notables that missed the cut on Friday, uh, Ricky Fowler at minus one, he missed a birdie putt on the team that wouldn't put him in. Uh, Tony Finau, he was even, he struggled on Thursday. He carded a 74, so his 68 on Friday wasn't really enough to get him in. Um, his second missed cut in two events after missing the Farmers Insurance Open. Victor Hovland, he uh, was at plus two. He flirted with the cut line all day, but after putting two balls into the water on 15 and taking an eight, it really made it uh end of the day for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was watching Victor's round closely uh, when I got to work. Um, it really looked like he, he had a strong 13, 14, 15, um, or excuse me, uh, 12, 13, 14. When he got the 15, um, I thought he was going to, you know, start to really put on some pressure and, uh, make a charge towards making that cut line. And then yeah, his, his, I believe it was his drive went right into the water. Um, and he took a drop and he took his next shot and it just took a weird bounce and again, right into the water. Um, so a tough break for him. Uh, but I expect him to bounce back next weekend. Uh, yeah, then we all three. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. 
all three were really kind of surprising. I mean, if you think about beginning of the week, thinking that these guys would be missing the cut. You know? Yeah, I mean, f- f- uh, for some reason, Finau has just been struggling a lot lately, um, ever since he won uh, the, the first round of the FedEx Cup uh, playoffs mm-hmm. last year. Um, it just seems like he really, that was like a peak for him, and he's kind of been on a slump since. Um, yeah. Fowler is, is really working hard on getting back to his form this year and, and you know trying to be somebody who can become a contender again. Uh, he had his baby last year. Um, a lot of people, even, I mean, even he would say, you know, his, just, his mind wasn't in the right place a lot last year. So um, a lot of people are calling this year his revenge tour. Um, so I, I expect all three of these guys to, to really start to find their stride here. I, I think Fowler is going to be in contention and a few tournaments here coming up. Um, so I think that's going to be fun to watch. Um, moving on to Saturday. Um, we had a, a big day Saturday. Uh, started off with Xander Schauffele. Uh Looked like he was going to take a stranglehold on the tournament. Uh, he had a great front nine uh, in his round. Um, he shot a four under. He was driving the ball really, really well. Um, but his irons were the star uh, in his chip shots. He hit multiple approach shots within 10 feet. They, even some of them were within five um it was it was a clinic he was putting on with um his mid-range game um but on 11 he found the water uh he ended up with a double bogey uh he would finish the back nine plus two uh, and 12 under for the day um so it really sucked to see you know such a momentum momentous uh round i get strangled like that but i mean i know the feeling but usually i put the ball in the water on the first hole and then i just never recover (laughs) <laughs> for me it's the trees yeah. <laughs> yeah scotty scotty scheffler he had the hot hand on saturday he bounced back from a really tough friday of shooting even and he squeaked into the weekend at, at minus three he uh on he he had shot a minus seven on the front nine and uh minus two on the back that put him at a tie for third at minus 12 which i mean that's a really really strong day for him on saturday yeah he really came out of nowhere um you know just made the cut on Friday evening, um, I remember watching the leaderboard throughout the day. Saturday, I just gotten back. I went and played my round. Um, sitting there watching, and he was one like they weren't really showing him on camera a whole lot, you know, because Xander and you know Rom are uh, are out there playing. Um, so they they would show him once in a while, but every every time he looked at the leaderboard, you know, you just see him coming a little bit, little bit, little bit. Uh, and then next thing you know, right at the end of the day, uh, he was he was right there at third. It was a lot of fun to watch and good for him. A rookie of the year last year, um, and had never won a tournament. This so to see him playing that well was was great to see. Um, Patrick Cantlay, I had a roller coaster on Saturday, uh, with two front nine bogeys uh, and a bogey on eighteen after hitting his drive out of bounds. Uh, but an amazing approach after his drop helped him keep himself in contention going into Sunday, tied for third. Um, a lot of guys tied for third there, but. Um, yeah, it was it was nice to see him able to, you know, play the mental game. Um and we're gonna talk about that here in a second with Brooks. Um, but just once you put a drive out of bounds, especially on eighteen, you know, you just want to get your round over with, get out of there. Uh, but to, you know, collect yourself and be able to do, um only keep it to a bogey, um, is, is, is key and, and huge. Yeah, yeah, he, he really did have some great shots and it was a great way to push him into Sunday, tied for third. Um, Brooks Kepka, he showed why he's the best golfer when it comes to the mental game. Spending all day, it seemed like, recovering from bad drives. He would always uh, 
right off the fairway. But he uh, was really good at recovering. He kept himself in the hunt for his third win at the Waste Management Open, going back-to-back. He putted the ball much better on Saturday. He just had a slip-up on 16 where he pre-putted for a bogey, but I mean, that's where all the eyes are on 16 here, so it's kind of reasonable. Yeah, um, it's like the, you, you live by the sword, die by the sword on 16, you know. You have all these eyes on a lot of guys, like, they feast on that attention. Um, but, I mean, it can definitely be tricky when you're sitting there trying to make a putt. Um, it, it's very hard to get that crowd quiet. Um, but it, it's a lot of fun to watch on TV. Sahith uh, Thagala uh, continued to impress on Saturday. Um, but it looked early, like maybe, you know, the, the pressure is starting to get to him a little bit. Uh, on the second hole, his drive went into the bunker. Uh, when he went to take his bunker shot, um, the shot caught the lip of the bunker and just killed it right away. Um, it barely rolled down the hill. Um, his next shot went over the back of the green. Uh, he ended up with a double bogey, taking him out of the lead early on Saturday. Um, but, you know, for a guy only making his 24th tour start, he rebounded nicely. Uh, he shot minus four the rest of the day and minus two for the whole day, uh, taking one stroke lead into Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he really did end it well. He, um, like you said, very young with the 24th start. He did a really nice job at rebounding with it being so uh, early in his career. Sam yeah. Ryder, he, uh, he really did produce the moment of the tournament on Saturday. A lot of times on 16, everyone's drinking, you know, everyone's having a great time, and it, it's kind of like the whole where everyone's trying to produce that moment, you know, that, that moment that everyone remembers for the next year. And uh, he did it with an insane 16th hole ace. It sent the crowd into a frenzy. They started throwing beer on one another and then throwing their empties right down onto the green. Um, it was just electric. After they finally got things calmed down, it took at least 15 minutes to get the crowd to calm down and get everything cleaned up. It, it It's kind of funny because it was the waste management. I saw pictures of... Uh, they had like this little golf cart that's basically shaped like a garbage truck mm-hmm. and the waste management <laughs> stickers all over it. It's almost like a promo planned, you know? Yeah. Uh, it definitely caused a backup though for the rest of the golfers on the course, but it was well worth it for everyone watching. Yeah. Um, definitely one of the coolest scenes I've ever seen. I mean, it was the first time somebody's aced that hole since I believe it was 2015. Uh, and it seems like every year they add more and more seats to that hole. Um, it is definitely a hole that I would love to just play one time. Um, yeah, great scene. It almost looked like something out of like, you know, you're in a local bar and your favorite team just won the Super Bowl or, you know, if, if you're English, you know, your your favorite team just won the Premier League. Like, just an absolute wild scene. Um, and one that I, I think is good, good, excuse me, one that I think is good for the game of golf because um, it gets a lot of people to look at it and be like, okay, you know, maybe the sport isn't just, you know, a, a stingy, you know, upper class sport anymore. You know, people are out there having fun, um, and so I, I really think it'll help get a lot uh, newer eyes and, and younger eyes onto the game. Um, and then on you know Sunday we picked up right where we left off. Um, Carlos Ortiz uh, hit another ace, uh, which is insane. It was one thing for um, one person to hit it, but for it to happen two times at the same tournament, um, and I I think the crowd was a little calmer. They weren't re- really hyped up yet for it to happen, but they still, again, just lost their minds. 
beers thrown everywhere, cans are thrown on. Um, took I this one didn't take as long to clean up. I guess they were ready for it, um, but still just a great scene to see. Um, and then later in the day, we had Harry Higgs and Joel Dahman. Uh, just they they both made par putts, and uh, they had tweeted. They haven't. They didn't tweet out. Um, somebody had tweeted out that they wanted them to take their shirt off at the 16th, and they obliged. And all of a sudden, I I remember I was looking down at my phone, and I just looked up, and there's two shirtless guys walking around on the 16th green. I was like, what the hell am I watching? Um, it was great to see, I, and I just an environment I love to watch, and I definitely want to be there one time and, and experience it in person. Yeah, it it was definitely crazy. It, it's funny because, like you said, someone had tweeted about it, and uh, Joel D- Dahman, he he put dreams do come true if you know, <laughs> retweets come through. Higgs will take his shirt off tomorrow, <laughs> and so I think the last time I had looked, they had, had like seven thousand six hundred retweets or something like that before that took place. So it's pretty crazy to see. And I mean, like you said, with the two hole in ones and then that, and just the electric factory that was produced on hole 16 i think it's just a lot more eyeballs are going to be watching golf this season just because of that hole yeah absolutely um yeah so brooks kepka he he just really couldn't find the rhythm on sunday he was struggling with his drives it's really what hurt him the entire weekend was the drives uh his irons and chips were what kind of really derailed him then on uh sunday he looked as if he was building some momentum as he went to the back nine, but he had a poor sh- tee shot on 16 that led to a bogey and kind of derailed him from a comeback. He uh, he ended up finishing the day at minus two, which kept him at 15 under for the tournament and tied at third. Yeah, um, I mean, it was tough to watch. Like I said, I'm a huge Brooks fan. Um, and it kind of looked like he made the turn. I think he bogeyed 11. Um, but after that, you know, he made a huge, I believe it was like a 30-foot putt. Um, and it was like, okay, now he's going to turn it on. Because um, the leaders weren't really pulling away. You know, he had, you know, of course struggled. But, you know, it wasn't like the tournament was out of reach. And I really thought he was going to turn it on and start making a comeback there. Um, just wasn't meant to be. Um, but I think overall, you know, he knows what he needs to work on now. Uh, and I think with him being in contention um, on Sunday, I, I think that'll be a good confidence boost going forward. Uh, to get that that stuff figured out and get himself ready uh, for the rest of the year, um, Xander Schauffele played well. Um, I don't believe he had any bogeys, um, but just couldn't make any any key putts, any you know big shots. Uh, he had three birdies throughout the day um, to finish minus three on the day. Um, tied third uh, at minus fifteen as well with Brooks, but uh, yeah, like I said, just couldn't make those those big moment putts there's you know the, the chips like he was making the day before um just really struggled to to find any big momentum boosters like that uh, and just kind of hung in the middle of the pack all day yeah i think like we had mentioned before he, he's he's really good at kind of flying under the radar but just finishing really well when it comes to the end of the tournament he like you said him kepka Tigala. They all finished third. I mean, it seems like third place was the place to be all weekend. Everyone was there. The story of the weekend was Tagala uh, coming into Sunday with the lead on a sponsor's exemption and in just his 24th start. Really young. Um, he was playing really calm, 
He played well throughout the day, doing just enough to keep that front. But when his tee shot on 17 went long and nearly into the water, he made some costly errors to make a bogey and end his hopes. He gave it one less effort on 18, almost hole in a chip from the right bunker, but Fade had the ball just sneak past the hole. Figala would go minus one on the day, and he joined three-way tie at third for 15 under. Yeah, um, I, he was the, the way he was carrying himself throughout the day. You know, just he made a few mistakes here and there, but he he wasn't trying to you know win the tournament on one one drive or one chip. Um, and then yeah, his his tee shot on seventeen just went a little left, just barely stayed inbounds. Um, and I think at that point he was like, oh shit, and just tried to scramble. Um, and then yeah, ended up just costing him. And then, but yeah, that that chip on eighteen out of the bunker. Um, Scotty Scheffler was standing right there and watched it go by, and he his reaction was was priceless. Um, but I expect big things out of this guy in the future. Uh, he was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and I I think he's going to be in in contention for a lot more tournaments going forward. Um, uh, uh, Patrick Cantley started with a furious front nine on Sunday. Uh, he went three under. Um, put him right up there in the lead. Uh, he was tied with the Gala most of the afternoon. Um, but a, a few key missed putts on the back nine uh, would mean he would have a share of the lead uh, once his round was finished. Um, now, he was a group ahead of the final final grouping. Um, so he had to, to sit around and wait uh, and see what happened there, um, which just always creates a lot of drama. It's always fun to watch. Um, but yeah, just if he would have made a few of those key putts, then you know, he wouldn't have... Uh, I mean, he would have still had to wait around, but... Um, I think a little of the tension would have been relieved. Yeah. Yeah, definitely hard for Cantley, but uh, great for viewership. Um, after a, fur- uh, yeah, a furious charge on Saturday, um, put himself into contention. It looked as if Scotty Scheffler would have to wait for his first victory after a rough front nine with three bogeys. Thanks to everyone else not being on their A game on Sunday, his charge on the back nine, starting with three straight bogeys on 13, 14, and 15, put him right back into the mix. He uh, he really capitalized on Tigala's rough 17 that we had talked about, and he would go on to make birdie and head to 18, one more to go home a winner. He, uh, on 18, he made a beautiful drive and chip that had him looking at a putt from five feet away for the win. Unfortunately, I don't know if it was pressure or just, you know, the conditions for the greens that they had for most of the weekend. He pushed it right to the right. Fortunately for us and everyone watching, they had to go play off. Yeah, um, I remember watching it. We were hosting a Super Bowl party, so I had people showing up. And I, was, I still had the golf one, and I thought for some reason the, the game started at 6.30. Um, so I was like, well, I'm going to finish this playoff before I switch over to there. Um, literally, I know it was going to take three attempts at the playoff hole to find the winner. Um, both competitors were driving the ball really long, uh, and ended up on that ridge in between the, the one set of stands and the, uh, the one bunker. Um, on the, I believe it was the second playoff hole, Scotty Scheffler actually had to like stand in the bunker and, you know, bury his feet down in there. So he wasn't shifting around, uh, for his second shot. Um, both missed putts on the first, uh, playoff. Sky pushing his left, Cantley pushes just to the right. Um, but then on the third playoff hole, both guys were in the same exact spot, it seemed. Um, 
and Scotty got a second chance. He didn't miss his, um, and it, all the pressure went on Cantlay, um, and he again just pushed it just to, a, a hair to the right, um, making Scotty Scheffler a first-time winner on the PGA Tour, which great for him. Um, definitely deserves it, and I think, like I said, I think he's going to be a lot of fun uh, going forward and in, in, in this summer uh, to watch, and you know, He's not too far back in the uh, the FedEx Cup standings. I think he's gonna be right there at the end of the year for that too. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think that aside from Tiger winning, I think it was two years ago. It it was this was one of the most electric weekends that I've watched in a while, just with hole sixteen mm-hmm. and everything it offered. Yeah, absolutely. And then the playoff at the end. Um, really great weekend for golf. Yeah, absolutely. Getting into the uh. FedEx Cup top 10. Uh, in 10th place, we have Max Homa. He has 624 points. In 9th, we have Patrick Cantley. He had 638. In 8th, we had Cameron Smith with 731 points. In 7th, Sam Burns with 776. In 6th, is Luke List with 803. In fifth is Sunji J M eight seven eight hundred seventy one. <laughs> sorry for the pronunciation. <laughs> in fourth, your champion Scotty Scheffler with nine hundred and seventy two. In third was Taylor Gooch with a thousand and one. In second was Tom Hodge with eleven sixteen, and still in first with uh, twelve hundred sixty one points is. Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah, um, we didn't talk about Matsuyama a lot this weekend, but he was just kind of hanging around right behind the lead pack. Um, just every time it seemed like he was starting to pick up a little bit of momentum, he'd, he'd make a mistake and lose it. Um, but, you know, the current Masters champion, uh, he's definitely going to be a force to reckon with this year. Um, I expect him to be in contention of a lot of tournaments. Um so that wraps up our coverage of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Uh, the next tournament on the schedule uh, is this weekend. It's a Genesis Invitational out in uh, L.A. Um, another a huge tournament. This one's actually going to be hosted by Tiger Woods. Um, he's going to be all over the, the Golf Network channel uh, coverage. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. It's good to see him back on the course, uh, not playing, but uh, around the game of golf. Uh, can't wait for him to make his return. Uh, hopefully this year that'd be Something cool to see. Um, last year, uh, Max Homa won uh, in a playoff over Tony Finau uh, with a score of minus 12. Um, so, you know, somebody who was just off the pace this past weekend, um, it looks like he's picking up steam. He's in the, the top 10 of the FedEx Cup. Uh, could be a big breakout weekend for him uh, to defend his championship there. Uh, give you a little bit of the course layout. Um, of the Pacific Palisades uh, Riviera Club. Uh, so hole one is a par five, 495 yard uh, hole. Uh, it's downhill, the tee box sits 75 yards above the course. Uh, it's a straight shot to the green. Um, not a super wide fairway though. Uh, trees surround the fairway uh, and a bad tee shot could set you behind early. Uh, two bunkers surround the green. Yeah, number two is uh, argu- arguably the hardest hole in the course. It's a par four at 488 yards. 
got a dog leg fairway with trees on the right side, which could cause some problems for a lot of golfers. A small green waits at the end of the hole, surrounded by bunkers. So, I mean, it's reasonable to be in the uh, hardest hole in the course. Yeah. Um. This this course really utilizes the uh the fair or the the green bunkers. Uh, it makes it you know a tiny target to try and hit, which really brings out the best in some of these guys. Uh, hole three, we have a par four, 440-yard fairway or hole. Uh, a shallow green that's surrounded with bunkers in the front and the right side make it a difficult approach. Um, yeah, I would for sure be in those bunkers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fourth hole is our, uh, is our first par three. It's uh, 226 yards. It's a long par three. It has a huge bunker sitting on the front. And uh, so some of the pin placement for the weekend could could be uh, problemsome with that bunker. It uh, is on a small hill. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> it has a partially sloped green, which makes it very hard for uh, birdies. Yeah. Um, n there's no easy holes on this course. Even the ones that are easier than others uh, aren't, aren't really uh, something that I would ever want to try and play on. Uh, hole five, we have a par four sitting at 414 yards. Uh, the whole location has been moved this year um, on a small hill to the right of the previous location, eliminating uh, the windshield that that hill provided. Um, and it'll add a new challenge for the golfers. Um, you know, if they loft the ball up there, the wind can really get a hold of it now and cause a lot of issues. So it'll be interesting to see how the, how the golfers attack it now. Yeah, it's interesting to see how much thought they put into the whole place for big tournaments like this um, yeah the six hole is a par three at 204 yards it's a par three like no other it has a green with a hill and a bunker right in the middle which makes it a rough time if you miss on the wrong side of either side of the green absolutely uh par or excuse me hole seven uh it's a par four 408 yards uh challenging fairway with a hump right in the sweet spot of the fairway um you hit that hump anyway, but perfect. You can shoot left into a big fairway bunker, or if it shoots right, it's going to go out of bounds. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if you know maybe some guys choose a layup to that. Um, some of the guys on the on the tour with the longer drives can probably outdrive that. Um, but just adds another little wrinkle to this tournament. It should be a lot of fun to see how the guys attack it. Yeah, I think that like you said, driving distance for each player is really going to play a big factor this weekend with the different. Uh, tee boxes. Yeah. If uh, you have like uh, long drivers out there that are going to be able to miss a lot of this stuff, whereas others are going to kind of pull up early. The eighth hole is a par four. It's 420 yards. The fairway bunkers separate the men from the boys, as some of the long drivers on tour can really try and muscle it past the left fairway bunker to set up an easy chip. But others will definitely have to choose to lay up in front of the left bunker. Or go right side to set themselves up for a shorter iron shot. Yeah, um, I don't know if Bryson's playing this weekend, um, but I think him and like maybe three other guys can probably attempt to go that left side. Um, I think just about everybody else is going to try and sneak up the right fairway there. Um, but we have hole nine. Um, it's a par four sitting at 443 yards. Uh, the hole has been lengthened to bring the fairway bunkers back into play. Um, 
know, a, a lot of the guys that really are starting to pick up on, you know, distance here with the drivers. Um, so they were just crushing it right over these bunkers. Uh, they slid the tee box back. Uh, should really, you know, bring those bunkers back into play and, you know, cause a new challenge. Uh, nine and 18 are arguably probably the most beautiful holes. Um, you could say even in golf. Um, with nine, uh, the beautiful clubhouse overlooks the greens, offers a picturesque view as a player's head to the turn. Um, so this is definitely a, a, a tournament where if, I, I, you know, I don't ever expect a, a crowd like we had at the, the Waste Management Open um, to be. Um, this is definitely one of the one of the courses for the uppity people, but it's definitely beautiful to watch them play golf on. Yeah, I, I think that it'll be nice to see, obviously, the golf, but also when they're kind of panning away for the, uh, what will look like a backdrop with the overlook <laughs> like you were talking about. Yeah. Um, the 10th hole is a really, really short par four. It's only like 50 yards longer than some of the par threes. It sits at 282 yards. It's extremely difficult due to a narrow green surrounding the bunkers on each side and back. It's it's definitely going to be hard for anyone that doesn't have their irons really going for them that day. Yeah, hopefully uh, Brooks can uh, get it figured out from this past weekend uh, and get himself primed and ready. Uh, hole 11 takes us to a par 5, uh, 586 yards. Uh, the first hole where the signature, I'm going to say this wrong, Veronica uh, can make an impact. Uh, it's the old you know river system you used to go through there. Um, but yeah, if an errant tee shot finds a rough, it'll definitely cause a lot of guys to lay up. Um, under perfect conditions, um, some players may be able to find the green in two. Um, but LA this time of year, that's definitely going to be hard to find. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how a lot of the guys attack this hole. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a key hole for the weekend. Like I said, the conditions aren't going to be perfect. So... It'll be definitely uh, interesting to see how those players feel to overcome that. On the 12th hole, it's a par 4. It's 471 yards. It has a narrow green surrounded by a very deep bunker on the right side. And, of course, Bogey's tree on the left. Yeah, um, you know, obviously, oddly enough, that tree is not named for the bogeys it's created. Uh, Humphrey Bogarts used to sit underneath of it. Uh, and get drunk during the day and just watch golfers come up the course. Um, so, interesting little wrinkle there. Uh, hole 13 takes us to a par 4, sitting at 447 yards. A curving fairway favoring those with a strong jaw. Uh, a choking fairway approach to the hole with a large bunker on the right front edge of the green. Uh, can cost you if you leave your approach short or if you just miss that little throat to the left side. Um, Again, you know this this course is going to be really interesting to watch. It's a lot more tactical uh, than the course we had last weekend, uh, but it offers a lot more fun um, viewership wise as to how each guy's going to attack it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely good for viewership. Um, the fourteenth hole is another par three. It sits at one hundred and eighty-eight yards. It's considered by many to be the easiest hole in the course with its large green. Um, of course, until until it's not, you know, for a yeah. person. But there's there's two very large bunkers in the front that if anyone's in there, they're definitely going to disagree with it being the easiest course. Easiest hole in this course. Yeah. Um, 
now we swing over to 15. Uh, gives us a par four sitting at 440s. Excuse me, par four at 475 yards. Uh, the two tier green, uh, which is a big feature at this golf course, um, can either make or break any momentum. Uh, you know, it's it's always tough if that the the pin sits in the front uh, and you hit onto the back, you're gonna make a downhill putt, uh, which is never easy to do. Yeah, I think that it's definitely going to be uh, challenging. The 16th hole is a is another par three. It, it sits at uh, four, 153 yards. It has large steep bunkers with big overhangs that could prove problems, like like there was this past weekend with some of the overhangs. Just kidding, that was really well. Um, it's surround they surround the entire green, which just spells disaster for any tee shot that isn't right at its mark. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's weird because normally par threes are supposed to be the easier holes, um, but here I think they're probably some of the most difficult. Uh, Seventeen takes us to our last par five, uh, sitting at five hundred eighty-two yards. Uh, the longest hole features another difficult green sloping from back to front. Um, again, if you land on the back side of that green, um, your downhill putt if you hit that a hair too hard and it misses left or right, uh, could spell disaster for you. Yeah, I mean, just just putting alone, I'd card over a 10 on that hole. <laughs> <laughs> for the last hole, I mean, it's the 18th hole. It's a par 4. It's 468 yards. It's one of the most iconic finishing holes in golf with the beautiful clubhouse overlooking the greens like we had talked about previously. It starts off with an uphill blind drive that sets up a very exciting finish to the round. Yeah, um, but like we said, one of the most beautiful courses. Um, it's always cool to see the guys come up 18 to finish. Uh, and you know, whenever that camera drops behind them to show them taking their shot, that clubhouse is just sitting right there. Um, but should be easy on the eye to watch all weekend. Uh, and and see how the different guys can you know handle the different holes, whether they need to lay up, uh, go for it, things like that. Um. It's definitely going to be really exciting. Uh, can't wait to come back Monday and talk to you guys about everything that happened. Um, something that we're going to do here uh, every week, we're going to give you a new term uh, and a player profile. Um, that way, if, if you want to get interested in golf, you don't really know a whole lot, um, don't know the, the golfers or things like that, uh, we got you covered. Um, so every week, our, uh, our friend Sam is going to text us the term of the week uh, and also a random player player to give you a profile on um so the term he gave us this week was divot um so divot is a large piece of grass or dirt that is dug out of the ground when struck by the club um so to put this in you know, layman's terms uh, if you take a swing at a ball and a big chunk of grass comes flying up you have therefore left a divot um, so that is your term of the week uh i'll let slade give us the pre player profile of the week yeah, so our player profile of the week is Sam Ryder. He's the one that we had talked about earlier on Home 16. Crazy, crazy weekend for him. He's born December 15, 1989, in Winter Park, Florida. He attended Stetson University, where he graduated with a degree in finance in 2012. He then that year turned pro, and uh, he, he's never won a PGA event, but he's finished in the top 10 12 times in his 117 events. His best finish of second twice 
and uh, he's currently ranked 238th in the world. That is Sam Ryder, and that is our episode. Um, thank you guys so much for checking us out. Um, Slade's new here, so we're still working out some kinks, but we'll get there. Um, just having a lot of fun bringing this to you. I have a lot of fun projects we're talking about in, the, in you know, behind the scenes. Um, but as always, thank you guys so much. Uh, check out our social medias. Uh, check out our merch store. And come back next Monday as we break down the Genesis Open. Um, and talk about, or excuse me, the Genesis Invitational. Uh, we break down all the crazy things that happen there. Yeah, guys, we'll see you next week on Monday. All right. Have a great week.